0: Now, Scotland's Talk-In.
1: Call 0333-2020-401 and join the debate.
2: Hello, good morning and welcome from me, Ali Bally, to this week's edition of Scotland's Talk-In. Two and a half years after a phone call to Scotland's talk there's going to be an independent review into the mystery surrounding the death of Kevin McLeod in Wick Harbour. Police Scotland's preparing to hand over the case files to officers from Merseyside Police. Kevin's mum, June, challenged the previous Chiefs Constable to give her answers live on Scotland's talking. Will she finally get them now?
3: I just want justice for Kevin. You know, for a family to go on fighting like this is horrific.
2: Our North of Scotland correspondent, Brian Rutherford, will join me with the latest on the story. Also on the show this morning, what do you think of the antics of the Brexit Party in the European Parliament?
4: I thought it was childish and disrespectful and just typical of what we expect
5: from the Brexit Party.
2: But Annunziata Rees mogg says she's not normally that rude.
5: I would never ever do that for any other country's uh, national song.
2: And do the sin taxes on unhealthy food, drink and cigarettes
6: do any good? Boris Johnson thinks it's time to take another look. What I want to see is evidence that new taxes on this or that item of food actually stop people from being so fat.
2: So do you agree with them? Remember, it's all about opinions and we would like yours. The phone lines are open 0333 2020 401.
1: Scotland's talking the podcast.
2: So we'll start off today with um, agreement or disagreement with um, a, a possible future Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, on the issue of junk food. He says if he becomes Prime Minister, he will look again at the so-called sin taxes on things that are bad for our health, like tobacco, alcohol and sugar. Mr Johnson thinks we should examine whether they're effective in changing our habits, and he's promising he won't introduce any new
6: ones until the review is complete. Obesity is a huge public health challenge, probably our, now our number one public health challenge. It costs the NHS absolutely billions. We've got to, to deal with obesity, but we've got to do it in a way that is evidence-based. And what I want to see is evidence, actual evidence that uh, new taxes on uh, this or that item of, of food and taxes which fall disproportionately on poorer families actually stop people from being so fat. All right. That's, the, that's if I can put it that way. Uh, you've got to make sure that it's discouraging people from uh, consuming what they're doing or whether it's just a bit of a, a bit of a gesture. Now, everybody struggles with their Wait, I, don't, I don't know, me no less than anybody else. Uh, we all know what the issues are, but my question is: Is it really sensible to put a new tax on milkshakes, uh, which will be paid disproportionately by poorer families, when the evidence seems to be, at the moment, ambiguous about whether those taxes actually reduce uh, consumption and help people with their obesity? So that's the that's the issue.
2: The sugar tax is the measure that forced the makers of Iron Brew to change their recipe. Now, it may or it may not be a coincidence that the person who introduced it is his leadership rival, Jeremy Hunt. The former health secretary says he'd rather target manufacturers than taxpayers. It comes as a leading charity claims people who are obese now outnumber those who smoke by two to one in the UK. Malcolm Clark from Cancer Research UK says the government need, the government needs to
7: raise its game to tackle overeating. Well, we know that smoking is the, the, the biggest preventable cause of cancer um and um that uh being overweight or uh, obesity is is the second. Um but actually when you think about it there's been really good government policy action to you know Reduce, reduce the chances of us starting to smoke or helping us quit in the first place. So there are fewer smokers relatively, whereas the numbers of people who are overweight or obese are rising. In fact, six in 10 of us uh, across the UK are uh, overweight or obese now. Um, that, uh, I say, that's, that's what we're looking at. And that's why we're asking for the government to take similar kind of government-led change to help tackle uh, obesity and obesity rates as they've done to tackle smoking. What we're asking is for government to help create a much healthier environment for us all so that actually when we go out shopping, when we go out to restaurants or, um, or, or buy food for our families, that it's easier to all choose healthier options uh, and, and to be healthier. That's really the nub of it. But if we're talking the specifics, um, we're talking about... Uh, introducing a 9pm watershed um, for uh, junk food adverts on TV and online, as well as uh, restrictions on uh, less healthy promotions in-, in store and wherever we go out and eat. These are the things that you know, the academic research shows is going to have the most impact on all of us um, and will help to reduce uh, obesity rates. And we sure do need to reduce those obesity rates, not just from adults, but this is actually about the next generation as well. Last year, the
2: Scottish Government announced plans for a crackdown on obesity with ideas to restrict the marketing and promotion of foods high in salt, sugar and fats. It could include restrictions on multi-buy offers, special meal deals and where products can be displayed in shops. There's another thing for Boris and Nicola to disagree about. But what about you? Do you think it's a good idea? Is Boris hit the nail on the head that there should be some proof first before actually uh, saying, right, we're banning this or we're banning that, you know, um, or, or or is he just having a go because it has a go at his leadership rival, Jeremy Hunt? What do you think? Has he got something or maybe not? 0333 2020 if you'd like to join us. First on the phone lines this Sunday morning, Stephen, good morning to you. Morning, Ali. How are you today? I'm tickety-boo. So, good, so far, so good. Sadly, early days oh. though, isn't it? Sadly, early, Oh, God.
8: Anything can happen, Ali. This is million. very true.
2: I mean, you know, you're sitting here thinking anything can happen, then you come on. Uh,
8: That's... <laughs> right. I was, just, I was just listening to Boris Johnson, I had to say there, but at the end of the day, it's, it's actually contradicting yourself, obesity and all that, and all these sugary foods, and all these foods that are no good for you. Yeah, but he's sitting there at night time with bottles of cognac and these fancy steaks, you know, these dinners that the Queen has, all you know, these banquets and all that. Uh,
2: how do you know, you know? How how do you know he's not a non-drinking vegetarian?
8: I uh, I don't think so. I've never seen a non-drinking vegetarian. Ali, if we're looking at him, I can assure you, you know, when you see pictures of him in the you meat, should
2: never judge a person on uh, looks. Uh, yeah, a
8: bit like myself. I just look at me. You think I was in a vegetarian? The way I'm, the way I'm carrying on.
2: I looked at you when I met you, and that was many things went through my mind, and it wasn't that. no. Come on, to... surely he's hit on something here. We shouldn't be putting on taxes. The man's,
8: no, but this is all we're doing it's tax, tax, tax. End it all. I can, see, I can see he's getting back to breaking up Wendy's again, back to the and in, in for attacks. But you you cast your mind away back in the 50s and the 60s, Ali. We didn't have all these fancy foods that were going about. There was nothing like that yet, what was on that table. Now, now, you're all on the clock. I think parents, they blame for children for for, a, for being obese or, or getting overweight, some of these children. Because when you see them, they get far too much money see them at dinner time, when they go to school, they get into all these fancy takeaway shops and all that and mm-hmm. just stuff their faces. Yep. The parents are the blame. The parents shouldn't be giving these children any money whatsoever because a lot of children actually qualify for for free school dinners and, they, and they'll get healthy when it goes in there. But if you keep giving a child £5 or £10, they must have fortune these Wayne's Alley. Every day you see them and they're, they're buying everything. If they know that... They're out there, they're smoking, they're doing things they shouldn't be doing. But parents, I think, are to blame. I don't know if it's just for a quiet life or they've got too much money, the parents. I just don't know. But it's not an answer for Boris Johnson to say, look, we're going to pay a tax on that.
2: No, but that's what he's saying, though. But hang on. Are you not misunderstanding him here? He's saying these taxes are already on. You know that it, it wasn't Boris Johnson that put in that brought in the sugar tax. You know it, it was it is already here, and what he's saying is he wants to stop that. Have a look at it and see if it's actually working before bringing in more taxes on different things. He's saying stop. Let's let's stop this nanny state and let's actually look and see if it works. It's not working, Ali.
8: He's probably correct. If he does look at it, but he'll just think of something else and back tax, in it, Ali. That's all that, that, that tax is never going to get away from these foods. Is he just going to cut all these taxes all together and all these products that are, are overnight are going to become cheaper? Then the kids will eat more. that what's going to happen here. I
2: take it there's nothing that Boris Johnson can do that would actually <laughs> satisfy you?
8: Nothing, nothing that Boris... The best thing that would satisfy me about Boris Johnson is if he says he's not going to stand as prime minister, Alan, I mean, That would satisfy me right to the hell a lot of other people.
2: We could be, in a few weeks' time, saying... You know, if you read all the, the polls, he's supposed to be the runaway leader, etc. Uh, they, they, the polls have a way of coming up and biting them on their backside, so it could change. But uh, we could be in a few weeks' time saying that Boris Johnson is our new Prime Minister. Would you be excited or would you be frightened?
8: Well, I'll tell you, well, if he's the next Prime Minister, I would totally be frightened and I'd be looking at my passport. I'd be a migraine, Alex. Oh. I'll be right here,
2: this country. Oh. Oh. I'm going. All oh, right, let's Boris get in there then, boy. <laughs> i <I'm> going, Ali. <laughs> Keep Steve. my bag of Mars bars with me. Stephen's going. That's great. He is going. <laughs> Thank you, Stephen. Thank you very much indeed. So there you are. There's his views. Um, mixed as though they were. Uh, but Boris is, is talking on the issue of junk food. He says if he becomes prime minister, he will look again at the so-called sin taxes on things that are bad for our health, like tobacco, booze and sugar. Do you agree with them?
1: You're listening to Scotland's Talkin', the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talkin'.
2: Back on the phone lines, John, good morning to you. Good
9: morning, Ali. How are you, my friend?
2: Good, thank you. I'm um, good. OK, so we're talking taxes from Boris at the moment and having a look at sugar taxes and things like that. What's your thoughts then?
9: Well, first of all, sugar tax or tobacco tax or whatever tax, just use the second word, tax. That's, that's all it is. It's just another way bring bring coffers in for the Chancellor. Now, if this country was really really interested in the state of people's health, why not have your sugar tax and your tobacco tax and invest it in gyms and say, right, okay, we've taken this tax in, we're going to take the tax in, we're going to put it in gyms, free membership for a gym, encourage you to use it. You go to the gyms, you get a point, you get something or another, some kind of incentive to go to the gyms. Then you could say, they're trying to do something. At the present moment, all they're doing is putting money in the of Valley. Money in, it, and it disappears into that black hole the Chancellor calls the tax. So it's a pass. Now, the second thing is, this electing another Prime Minister. What happened to democracy in this country? This is going to be the second Prime Minister we've run in this country. And we never had a say in it. We never had a vote in it.
2: But we, we, but we don't, we don't have a vote in a prime minister anyway. You vote for the party, not for the person. Isn't that well, right?
9: Well, we've not even had, we've not even had a vote for the party. They've messed it up once already. twice now, and they're saying, "Well, we're going to have another shot at that because we'll have a third try." And democracy was out the windy alley when they turned turn and this country voted to leave the EU, and the government said, uh, "Nah." We don't want to leave, leave the new. We don't want to do this. Never mind what the country says. This is what we're going to do. This isn't right and that isn't right, so we're going to stay in. So democracy's out the window, Ali. We don't have a democracy anymore. But as well, shutting the doors of Parliament and cutting it, save us a fortune in the £300 a day that the Lords and all the rest of them get and use it for something decent like we're old age pensioners. Give them the television for nothing. For my and help the hospitals. It's all a farce, Ali. It's all a joke. And the people in this country are just sitting back looking at it and accepting it for what it is. That's what's wrong in this country. If it was America, France, they would be jumping out, they would be swinging off the chandeliers, going after head, blockading roads, and all the rest of it. In this country, we just say, oh, well, that's the way it is. Nonsense. It's nonsense, Ali.
2: Calm down now, John. <laughs> well, uh, really, uh, you're, you're having, I really, you're having your wee rant them, there. You. You're having your wee rant. Yes. Well, am I wrong, Ali? I don't know if you're wrong. I, 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 I mean that. You know, you've gone a little bit further than we were talking about. I mean, we were just looking at whether Boris had hit it on the head and saying, "Hang on a minute here," before introducing any more, because there seems to be a tax for something every day coming in. You know, and 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 it, and it hits everybody. At least he's saying, hang on, let's let's just look here. Maybe it's it's just a, a, a little ploy so that he gets into ten downing street, I'm not sure. Who believes politicians when they come out with manifestos? Particularly, well, you know, you just never well, quite know whether you're going to get the right thing or not. So I don't this know. Is, this is the man alley
9: that said during the heathrow carry on if they try and build it, I'll lie in front of the planes They will build it as long as I'm here. <laughs> and then he saw it off on holiday when they were born for it. That's your Prime Minister for you.
2: Well, not quite I yet. Don't... He's not quite the Prime Minister.
9: Well, I think then has been Boris Johnson in and then they're going to have an election. They're going to have a general election, so they make sure they lose it. That's what I think.
2: Well, time will tell. If you were a Conservative... Uh, carry, card-carrying member, which I think I might be fairly safe in saying you're not, if you were... <laughs> <laughs> you better believe that. <laughs> if you were, who would you be voting for, Mr Hunt or Mr Johnson?
9: Well, I, I couldn't vote for Mr Johnson because he showed his cards far too many times. As as right. i As being a coward. So there only would be one in that on. That mm. I think we should. That long ago had the general
2: election. Long ago. I just don't think if we had a general election tomorrow, John, that we would be in any better state than we are at the moment. Well, we couldn't be in
9: any worse state, Ali. I think.
2: Sure. I think we could. I think we could. But there again, we <laughs> shall leave that for another day. Thank you very much indeed, John. Thank you. Bye bye. All Bye-bye. the
9: best, Ali. Thank you.
2: Bye. Agree or disagree with John? That's what it's all about. It's all about opinions. O 2020 401 is the number. You can text your comments 61054. Start your message with Ali. You can email me. Email address is ali at thegreatesthits.co.uk. And of course, hashtag Scotland's Talking. Plus, we're also on Facebook as well, Ali Bally Show. We're talking about things on there too. So those are the various ways that you can comment. Uh, here's one that says regarding the Brexit party's antics, which I'm coming to in us in a moment, Bill. But since you've started us off, that's fine. I think they're a nutter disgrace, making themselves a laughing stock along with the rest of the country. I I sort of agree with you there, Bill. I have to say, when I was away this week abroad and when I I watched on television them beaming the uh, the whole situation going on, I thought, goodness sake. We'll come to that in a minute. Uh, Liz. Hi, Liz. Good morning to you. Uh, Ali, all addictions are linked to the need for comfort. These substances, sugar, tobacco, alcohol and fast foods are readily available, legal and serve the purpose. The only people benefiting from taxing them are the government. Wondered where you were going with that, Liz. I wasn't quite sure. But OK, so let's read that again. Addictions. So you're saying fast food are addictions. Don't think so. Surely not, are they? It's amazing what people are addicted to, I suppose. Um, addictions are linked to the need for comfort. And when you need comfort, you reach out for things with sugar. I'm lucky I don't. I can't even eat chocolate. I just don't like it. I know, I'm weird. My wife keeps telling me, like, you don't like chocolate, you're weird. Uh, I know. Um, tobacco, no, never touched the stuff. Um, once I think uh, alcohol, occasionally fast foods, very often you <laughs> can tell by the shape of me anyway, according to, to Liz they're all legal and they serve a purpose so leave them as they are I think she's saying thank you Liz, 20 minutes away from 11 uh, we we're talking there from Bill about the the Brexit party's antics acting like school children um, we'll talk about that in a second
1: Scotland's Talkin', the podcast. Uh, I just want to ask you this one. Uh, What did you
2: think of the behaviour of some of the British MEPs at the European Parliament? It was the first day of term, but quite honestly, I thought some of them were behaving like schoolchildren. Nigel Farage and his Brexit party turned their backs on the Chamber during a live performance of the Parliament's unofficial anthem, Beethoven's Ode to Joy. Some people said it reminded them of the Nazis doing that in the German parliament in the 1930s. And the newly elected Lib Dem MEPs marched in wearing te- yellow t shirts with a crude slogan about stopping Brexit. This is how Anazita Rees-Mogg of the Brexit Party defended their actions when she was questioned by Adam Bolton on Sky News.
5: I would never ever do that for any other country's uh, national song. But we have to remember that the EU is not a nation. It should not have an anthem, it should not be arranged in that way because it doesn't have a United Peoples and Britain should have left it months ago.
10: Well, the point's being made that uh, UN bodies, the Olympics, uh, they all have anthems, and uh, if you are participating in uh, the, the parliament of that country, surely you should respect it?
5: It was referred to as the nation's song. I don't believe that it is in any way credible to call the European Union a nation, and that's what I was objecting to.
10: It was rude, though, wasn't it?
5: I think it's rude to, to claim that the British people are part of a nation other than their own.
10: Well, I, I, you know, I, I, I still think I'm looking at the reaction on social media. I mean a lot of people think that uh, you know, it was a rather pathetic protest and frankly not something they would expect uh, from someone like you.
5: What people expect isn't always what I deliver. I don't think people expect me to stand for the Brexit party. But the fundamental point is that Britain is a democratic nation and our votes should be recognised. We should be an independent nation with our own sovereignty by now. That hasn't happened. We have to make sure it does.
10: So what do you feel about Liberal Democrats wearing uh, bollocks to Brexit t-shirts? Do you think that's okay as well?
5: I think that's childish. Uh, I think it sets a very bad uh, impression, particularly for uh, people my children's ages, who, who shouldn't be exposed to obscenities. I think it's... Frankly, just a a childish prank, but they're free to do as they like.
10: Isn't that a bit pot
2: and kettle?
5: I I haven't uh, done anything that I would be worried if my children copied.
2: Really? OK, that's her view. Uh, So should the Lib Dems be ashamed of themselves? Here's what Caroline Voden, who's one of their MEPs, had to say.
4: I thought it was childish and disrespectful and just typical of what we expect from the Brexit party. I I thought it was appalling. We are embracing Europe and we have come back to Europe with 16 Liberal Democrat MEPs rather than one, which is a huge endorsement of our policies and we came in with a one strong clear message and the best way to do that silently for the cameras was to wear a t-shirt and all our colleagues were thrilled to see us and as we walked through into the parliament people were patting us on the back. We've come here to do a job. We want to stay here. Brexit has not happened yet and we are absolutely determined that we will be here for five years and our European colleagues want us to stay here. So we wanted to wear something which would show how passionately we believe in the European project this ambitious unique project which is bringing european countries together you know let's not forget that we are actually in strasbourg this week you know a, a city which has changed hands over the century wars have been fought here lives have been lost here there's a military cemetery just outside the door you know this this city means something and Euro- the European Union is the most amazing peace project and we want to remain part of that. So our, t- our T-shirt was our- us visibly saying to our European friends and colleagues, we want to be here and we want to stay.
2: So that was their explanation for wearing T-shirts that said bollocks to Brexit. Uh, your thoughts? All treble three twenty twenty four hundred one. Did you think it was a childish thing for them all to do? Um, you know, at the end of the day... Uh, the British people voted for these people to go over there and represent them. Were they representing you, whether you agree or disagree with uh, being in Europe, whether you want to out or you want to stay in? Uh, was it really the way to behave for either of those parties? Give me your thoughts, please. Love to hear them. Uh, you can text once again 61054, start your message with Ali, or give me a call on treble three twenty twenty. Four oh one. Let me just get into some of the social media questions and answers that are coming in now. Um, good morning, Ali. Uh, regarding the Brexit party, I think they are at utter disgrace. Uh, thank you for that. Um, here's another one regarding the, the tax we're talking about and Boris Johnson, possibly for Prime Minister. I'm Gary and I'll be voting for Jeremy Hunt. All right, so you've got to vote then, have you? As he will not allow another Scottish referendum. Okay, Uh, he said absolutely not. He would just say a polite no uh, to First Minister if she went looking for another one. Uh, Here's uh, Jeff coming in here. He says, "Uh, uh, I think people do vote for people. I I hear what you're saying. I did say that people don't vote for people. You actually vote for a party. I'm with you on that, Jeff. I know what you're saying. Uh, I I sort of semi-agree as well. But what I meant was legally you're voting for a party. Um, He says... I'm an SNP voter, uh, but I would have voted for Labour under John Smith. He was the last MP who wanted to truly help people. An honest man who came across as a class person, spoke the truth, and most importantly, answered questions, sadly lacking nowadays. Okay, thank you for your thoughts. Um, If you watch the footage, there are yellow shirts with their backs turned to the song. That came from, from Andy. Okay, Andy. Thank you for that. I think just think the the whole uh, thing was a bit of a disgrace. You know, I, I just not the way I would have thought to behave in, in Parliament. Uh, morning, Ali. Uh, going back to healthy sugar taxes, etc. Uh, when healthy mineral water costs more, sometimes double more than fizzy drinks. I know I drink a lot of water, and and. Um, It does cost a bit when you're buying it in bottles. Uh, With high intakes of sugar and additives, you know there is a problem. Kenny says, uh, those so-called taxes um, are only contributing towards poverty and do not help the situation. As for the MEPs, I think it was disgusting behaviour by them. Ali, here's one from Michael. Uh, Where does all the tax go that is put on these items where does it actually go? We seem to get increases in everything these days, but seem to be more cuts in services. It's true, isn't it? It's very true. Uh, everything's going up, but you know they're always complaining about not having enough money. Uh, Ina, I'm going to squeeze you in quickly, Ina, if you can make your right, point quickly. Right, okay. Um, my
11: point is, Ali, you're talking about respect for, uh, the, the disrespect, actually, for the Brexit party and the European lot. Um, Is that the same respect that they've given to the European taxpayer, these parasites in Europe, that have taken uh, a court case out because they were asked to submit their uh, receipts for their spending on their credit cards Mm. that they get. Mm. They went to the ECG and my, my, they said, don't worry, keep on spending It's somebody else's money and just you use it or whatever you like.
2: Yeah, just go... Is that to... the
11: same respect that they are giving to the people in this country that are pouring copious amounts of money in and they're out there spending willy-nilly? You talk about respect, it's a two-way street and you get no respect out of Europe.
2: know I'm going to have to leave you there because I'm really up against the clock here for the news, but thank you very much indeed for coming in with that.
1: You're listening to Scotland's Talkin', the podcast... Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talk-In.
2: Back in January 2017, June McLeod confronted Police Scotland's Chief Constable Phil Gormley, who is no longer in the job. Let's hear that exchange and more about June and her husband Hugh's desperate quest for answers.
3: I had heard on the radio that Mr Gormley was going to have a a phone-in. June
2: got through on on the the live talk-in.
3: My son, Kevin MacLeod, was found dead in Wick Harbour almost 20 years ago and the Procure Fiscal told the police, then Northern Constabulary, of course, to investigate as a murder and they didn't do it. I want you, Mr Gormley, to tell me why your new police force is refusing to right that wrong and carry out a new investigation. Well,
12: June... um... I'm I'm very sorry to hear that, and that's not meant to sound trite. I didn't immediately recognise your name and and the dreadful experience you've been through. I'm quite happy off-air to examine the circumstances that you've referred to.
3: I got to speak to Mr Gormley uh, briefly, and uh, things
2: seemed to sparkle from there. We're getting through. We're speaking to somebody. We're speaking to a human being. We're not writing letters. Joining me now is our North of Scotland correspondent, Brian Rutherford. He's been investigating this injustice for several years. Brian, good morning. Yes, hello, Ali. It's actually a good thing that someone has actually been
0: investigating this case because that's not what happened back in 1997. It was actually 22 years ago that a body was found in Wick Harbour, apparently beaten, but the police force at the time failed to properly investigate. What I mean is Northern Constabulary officers ignored an instruction to launch a potential murder inquiry. This retired homicide detective Ian McKee tells us just how sloppy they
1: were.
13: The investigation was, was terrible. It, it, was, it was, really was terrible. There's no doubt at all now with the formation of Police Scotland, there's entirely different processes are put in place. And I think that um, Kevin's uh, tragic death has advised that creation of that system. The things that didn't happen, I mean, the, the uh, clothing was burnt at the time. There was a failure to um, interview witnesses who were quite readily available. And as you know yourself, as time passes, as years pass, people... People retire from the police, people die, people pass on, and memories change.
0: So basic police work was not done, and that rubbished any chances of collecting and examining potentially vital evidence. So that's left the McLeod family in the dark for two decades now. And if you're wondering what sort of impact that's had on Kevin's family, as one of the 24-year-old brothers tells us, Andrew says he lives a very lonely life now.
9: It's uh, been devastating not very nice well I'm not as outgoing as I used to be but it's just something you've got to deal with it's part of life now for a family I just celebrated my birthday three days before what happened to Kevin my 22nd birthday and I now don't ever celebrate birthdays anymore hopefully one day I will though it's just sad that he's gone it's no easy, there's just an emptiness in life now
0: without Kevin, and we heard from mum june earlier she's faced some of the biggest and worst obstacles throughout this ongoing hell which the family have faced every day
3: my health deteriorated i took bad depression didn't go out i wanted just to be on my own i really hit rock bottom i was drinking far far too much just to blank things out of my head Next morning, I'd be up and looking for more drink just to blank things
0: out of my head. Well, since speaking to us, June has overcome those challenges. But you can certainly see why the Macleods were owed an apology from authorities, because they had never really taken the family seriously enough to help them heal. And that's why the current Chief Constable, Ian Livingston, flew all the way to Wick. He wanted to say sorry that was December twenty seventeen when he spoke exclusively to Scotland's Talking.
6: I wanted to come up here to apologize for the very, very poor investigation into Kevin's death in nineteen ninety seven, but also to apologise for how they've been treated since then. I'm the head of policing in Scotland and I felt it was it was my responsibility to come and meet them personally and, and make that apology. What happened shouldn't have happened. I can't put the clock back. I wish I could. I wish that uh, in February 1997 there'd been a, a thorough, proper and professional police investigation.
2: Brian, that takes us into the start of last year. Now, I remember that very well. You broke the news of shocking claims by an eyewitness. Another exclusive interview.
0: Yes, that's right. And there is an ongoing investigation into what you're about to hear. That's why we're protecting the identity of this man. His words are spoken by an actor. I was walking home and I decided to walk on a little hill above the actual harbour, I heard a commotion, voices and scuffling or whatever and then a splash, I went to investigate, I saw the two people and Kevin in the water, I believe he kinda went under the water, I I must have made a noise because the two two people looked round and one gave chase. At the time of those revelations, I personally drove the witness from Wick to a police station in Inverness. That's where he made an official statement to Specialist Crime Division detectives. They are aware that the witness lives with post-traumatic stress disorder and other mental health issues. And it had been made clear to the detectives by this man that he hadn't come forward sooner because he was living in fear based on what he claims he witnessed. At any given time, I understand that up to 10 major crime investigators have been probing the new information from him, and that led to new witnesses being interviewed after a public appeal.
12: Put aside any allegiances or any fears that they have in relation to coming forward to do the right thing on behalf of the family and come forward. Recently, there's information came into our, our possession, which we are currently um, assessing we're going through that with a um, it's a, it's a complex and detailed uh, piece of work which we're going through. We do have officers working on um, the new information that's came, came uh, to light recently. We have experienced detectives from uh, the Homicide Governance and Review Department who are working on that information.
0: Police Scotland's first ever public appeal there asking for help with understanding this unexplained death, but no conclusion has been reached since Detective Superintendent James Smith's media appearance.
2: But I understand, Brian, there have been a few significant developments since then, especially a major milestone being reached by the Families Campaign against this potential miscarriage of justice. Yes, I'll
0: get to the latest developments shortly, but you're right. After the Public Appeal, Scotland's top prosecutor, the Lord Advocates, did order a review of the entire case history. His criminal allegations against the police division is responsible for this review, but we don't yet know what the outcome of those inquiries is. It is a significant bit of work, though, because seven pages in a report written in 2002 actually list potential misconduct by Northern Constabulary officers. So what prosecutors will have been considering is whether any of that alleged misconduct was criminal. It's one thing for police officers facing disciplinary action over misconduct allegations to escape punishments simply by retiring. But criminal acts would mean that they're not actually untouchable after retiring.
2: Fascinating. And I'm sure something the family will no doubt want to find out as soon as possible. What do they know at the moment, Brian?
0: Well, Ali, earlier in the week, uh, what they did find out was a major development. Kevin's relatives met with a senior prosecutor. They also met the police force's head of major crime. What they were told by both of them came as a huge surprise. When Kevin's loved ones came out of the building, they told me Police Scotland is asking an external force to carry out an independent review of the unsolved case. To be clear, what that means is Scottish police are asking an English constabulary to take the lead. Merseyside Police could start inquiries into the unexplained tragedy as early as next month. And I understand Police Scotland's preparing to hand over case files. Here's Kevin's uncle Alan reacting to this new major milestone.
13: The whole family's encouraged. We come out there, you know, quite delighted that this is something that we've been looking for. We've been asking for an external force now for many a year. We've asked Northern Constabulary, they they refused it. And now we're glad that the Chief Constable Ian Livingston and the Lord Advocate Mr Wolfe has now listened to the family because, as they know, our trust and confidence in policing in Scotland
0: uh, is at a low low, and uh, hopefully now we'll get the result that we've been looking for for 22 years. Hopefully so, but I think we are potentially coming close to being out of options to take this forward. What I mean by that is that although this independent review is the most significant development yet, it is possibly the family's last chance for answers. Now, we heard that former detective Ian McKee speaking earlier. Here's his take on things.
13: My, I think, objective view of the whole thing, knowing what I know of the police service and investigations and what I know of the case, not only do I think it's, it is the end of the line, but I think for the Macleods' sake and for the family and for the emotion and the whole, the whole horror that this has been for so many years, it should be the end of the line. And sometimes, you know, we fight the good fight against injustices, and then we find out that even though we fight as hard as we can, we cannot fully overcome that injustice. But I think that the Macleods' after all these years to achieve a sort of justice for Kevin through a, a full apology. And that was a fulsome apology from Police Scotland. I think that's something.
0: So, Ali, that's you up to date on the latest situation, but, of course, it is developing. So I'll keep us posted on whatever happens, possibly in the near future.
2: Brian, thank you very much indeed for that. Our North of Scotland correspondent, Brian Rutherford, there.
1: Scotland's talking. The podcast.
2: So, we've been talking about a couple of items this week. Uh, what did you think about the behaviour of some of the British MEPs at the European Parliament? And do you agree with Boris Johnson on the issue of junk food? He says if he becomes Prime Minister, which is looking likely, he will look again at the so-called sin taxes on the things that are bad for our health, like tobacco, booze, and sugar. Do you agree with him? Is it time to have a look at them? Lots of comments coming through on social media, so we'll get to them in a few moments. But Willie's on the phone. Good morning to you, Willie.
12: Good morning, Ali. Uh, Basically, the the carry-on over in the European Parliament, I mean, that's what it's all come down to now, gesture politics. Mm. People just uh, standing up and, and trying to put over a message without actually saying nothing. In fact, that, that's a good metaphor, actually, for, for any Parliament. But, uh, yeah, that's all it's down to now. No-one has anything fresh to add. No-one has anything that that uh, will move the situation forward, so they all just resort to gestures.
2: Yeah, it, it's, it's, uh, I'm just looking at um, a comment here from Angela. She says, um, I previously have voted Labour, um, but... Uh, In the current politics in Scotland wouldn't do so again because I don't believe they've got what I want. Um, But she says, those politicians who asked us to vote for them for uh, the European elections, um, they've just turned me off. She says, "Um, even uh, the Lib Dems, wearing T-shirts and saying bollocks to Brexit. Whether you believe in it or not, it doesn't matter, she says. They should not have behaved in such a childish manner. And I would really enjoy if if a member of the Liberal Democrat Party, whether local, national or whatever, who are indeed at the moment um, electing a new leader, yeah, that's true, Angela. Um and I and I read somewhere that they're both they're going to announce their winner on the same day as the Conservatives are announcing their winner. I think that um, might get lost in the news there. But uh, Angela Angela's making the point. All I was saying there, Willie, is that An- An- Angela's making the point that um, you vote for someone and they they treat your vote with disrespect. That's what they were doing. They were treating the voters with disrespect. Exactly.
12: Uh they they as I say, they do just what they're instructed to do—the tub up on mass with t-shirts on, uh, or stay, turn up box, um, whatever, knowing that that'll be commented on. But uh, they have no f- new, fresh ideas to to bring on. Mm-hmm. So, so that's what the, the talk's all about. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I I've had my own thoughts on all this this. The Brexit situation, all that. I mean, basically, to me, the, the clock is being run down until Halloween. And then we'll, this country will leave with no deal. And with Boris at uh, the figurehead, uh, he'll set out the, the the storm that will come uh, at that time uh, Obviously, all the the unemployment will rise. All all the the, the heartache and the pain that the the people of this country will suffer, Boris will sit that out. Then, eventually, he will be swept aside and some other faceless Tory, someone like Fox, will take over for the long-term exploitation of the situation.
2: See, I I had a comment to me this week uh, where someone said... um, If Boris Johnson takes over, it will be really exciting. And I looked and I said, exciting is is a strange way to put it. They said, well, British politics is a bit boring. And Mrs May was very boring. And she didn't really get anywhere with the country. She didn't lead us anywhere. She's led us into this mess. Boris Johnson believes in what he's doing. And we had this discussion on whether that you know, exciting um, was was the right word. He said and, and this person said, No, I believe that, you know, like the doom and gloom we talked about, that everything was going to happen if we if we came out of Brexit right away. The previous Chancellor said everything was going to go. Uh, downhill, and it didn't happen, and uh, and this person doesn't believe it will happen. So Boris has has the believers as well.
12: <laughs> I find that unbelievable.
2: Yeah, uh, I mean, <laughs> so did I. <laughs> but I it's had a drink like, in my hand at the time, so it's okay. <laughs> it's
12: it's like saying that running full belt into a swamp is exciting. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's exciting until you, you realise that you're stuck and you're turning back and you're going down and down and down. Yeah, that's the kind of excitement we can all do without.
2: Who would have thought 10 years ago, you know, when we look at the world politics at the moment, uh, <laughs> Trump on one side oh. <laughs> and Boris on the other? Oh,
12: well, I I, I was amazed to learn about the secret air bases they had in uh, the Revolutionary War that Mr. Trump was speaking about the other day on the 4th of July. I mean, uh, you couldn't make that up. The, uh, the President of America re- telling people about American history and saying that the, the, the Washington's troops guarded the air bases. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, oh, one final thing, Ali. I, I've thought about this too. If in 2014, or even before that, when people were agitating for the referendum regarding... Uh, not 2014, sorry, 2016, the referendum regarding Brexit, if someone uh, in the European Parliament had stood up then and said, uh, I'm sorry, but you've already had a referendum, so I'm politely saying no, what sort of reaction would this country have given to that. Mm. It's uh, a rather like Mr. Hunt's uh, polite No, to to us having another another independence referendum when everything has changed since the last one.
2: It's going to be interesting times ahead, no matter who gets into ten Downing Street. Interesting
12: and, and hard,
2: but maybe not exciting.
12: Well, not the, the kind of excitement we're for.
2: Willie, good to talk to you again. Thank you very much indeed. Brendan, good morning.
14: Hi, good morning, Ali. Morning, Brendan. I was, uh, wanted to comment about the extra taxes that uh, Boris Johnson said they were going to take. Um, he's been honest. The SMP, before they went in, they never told us they were going to increase taxes. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm, I work offshore. I'm paying £1,500 a year more tax than all the English guys I'm working beside. That can't be right. So we're the highest paid taxpayers in Britain, the Scots. We've got five tax bands now. England's got three. And then I got paid off two and a half years ago, and I phoned the Social Security because I thought, I'll sign on. And she said to me, the first question I want to ask you is, do you get, have you got more than 16000 in the bank between you and your wife? I said, yes. You're not entitled to anything. I've never had a penny social money. I pay the full council tax. I pay everything. And now I'm back in work. I'm paying £1,500. I hear more than the guys I'm working beside. The English guys. Mm -hmm. Now, Nicola Sturgeon keeps going on about, oh, the workers' rights, workers' rights. She's she's against the workers. She's taking the money off me. The last day Alex Salmon was in office... He let off non council taxpayers of five hundred and fifty million quid. And we're making up for that because she says that some of this extra tax was to pay for amenities and things that the council tax shouldn't be paying for. So they've written us off the Scottish Parliament and they keep saying they're for the workers' rights. I'm a worker and I've got less rights than the guys on working beside. Right. That that can be right.
2: And do you 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 know, when we're in a situation that we are, though, um, that this country I'm talking about Scotland at the moment, um, Scotland's local authorities are are being cut back. The services are being cut back. You're losing Mm -hmm. um, facilities, whether it be libraries, swimming pools are being cut in times Mm -hmm. that uh, Mm -hmm. they're open. All these things are happening. Um, do yeah. you do you really grudge that extra that you have to put into the Scottish economy? Well,
14: when I see the way that she's handled the economy, Nicola Sturgeon, she's a disaster. She paid £1 for Presswick Airport and the Australian company that sold it to her couldn't believe their luck because they took on all the liabilities. They lost £40 million in the first year because the Daily Telegraph done an investigation. They've been losing a fortune, at least 10 million every year Mm -hmm. on that. And there's only one carrier flies out there, is Ryanair, and they says, we're moving to Glasgow. So the fact that they're still there, they must have done a deal with them, but that's all taxpayers' money. They bought the steelworks in Motherwell for millions off Tata. Tata couldn't make it work. And the director of Tata says, whoever buys this, they're paying four times for their energy, what the Chinese are paying, and twice what the French are paying. So that, I don't know how they can make that work. That's all taxpayers' money she's firing. They've done a survey in the Fourth Road Bridge, with the Japanese engineers come over and say there's at least another 30 year in it on that bridge. But they, they ignored that, built a new bridge, and Sturgeon says there'll be 10,000 jobs created. She keeps coming out with this magic 10,000 number. All the concrete came from France, all the steel came from China, and the company building it was Spanish, and it was like 1.2 to 1.4 billion. That's a lie that she's been saying, 10,000 jobs. I don't know anybody that worked on that, I worked in the construction industry, I don't know anybody that worked on that bridge. And And
2: now the
14: offshore wind farm that's off methyl. That's just what I was going to say. 2 billion
2: pound. Yep,
14: yep. getting built in Indonesia.
2: It's crazy, isn't it?
14: And, and right on the doorstep of metal, and she promised, she says, this will create 10,000 jobs for Scotland. She keeps coming up with this 10,000 number. She is a clown with the economy. And she's taxing us to make up for her mistakes and for their mistakes. She's an absolute buffoon.
2: I think when you, you, you're it, right, with BioFab, particularly in sitting in Methyl and Burnt Island, the yard's sitting empty, the workers able to do the job, but they're bringing, and it's mm-hmm. just off the coast of, as you say, of metal, and they're bringing, right. yeah, they're making pound. Indonesia, it's absolutely i, wor-
14: I yeah, That's right, I worked for five years in metal. I'm right. a welder.
2: Right.
14: I worked for five years, and just by coincidence, Hughie McLeod that you mentioned there, I worked with Hughie, I know Hughie well, from Wick, that his son got killed, because mm-hmm. the two is worked in this year together. But I'll let the investigation... I've heard everything from Huey about that. I'll let the investigation get to that. But Methyl, the men, the workforce have been betrayed. They were, they were more or less guaranteed they were going to be well in the windmills, because Sturgeon kept saying, the windmills are, uh, are going to create 10,000 jobs in Scotland. She kept saying that just the same as the new bridge is going to create 10,000 jobs. They never created any jobs for Scots. It was China, France and Spain that done the work. And they, it's the same with all that uh, she keeps saying about immigrants, we need immigrants offshore because there's a labour shortage. There's no labour shortage offshore. I know stacks of guys that's never worked for the past three or four years, but there's lots of cheap labour going off there. Mm-hmm. I, I was with a company for 13 years and they brought Spanish, 64 Spanish welders off, over from Spain. They paid all those off. I served them for 13 years, nearly 14 years. And they, they gave it because it was cheaper. Right. So, Brent,
2: Brendan, I'm going to stop you. Know, you.
14: She's very misleading. The evidence you say she keeps going on with the workers' rights, the workers' rights. If anybody examined the, the way she operates, there's nothing workers' rights about
2: her. Okay, Brendan, I'm going to stop you there because I've got a few other callers waiting to come in as well. We'll go to uh, George. Hello there. Good morning to you.
15: Good morning, Ali. Uh, a very interesting show. I'd like to add some comment uh, in relation to the previous caller, if possible. Mm-hmm. Um the the main issue that he spoke about was uh, his levels of income tax uh, being uh, dictated to by the Scottish government. Um, I'm afraid to put them uh, right. The, the income tax is. A matter which is not devolved—that's totally controlled by the Westminster government. So, if narrows the SNP for that, is completely in the wrong country. Um, our income tax is not devolved, unfortunately. Um, I've no doubt it may be once we get independence.
2: But but <laughs> um, we do but, we do pay a higher rate of tax in Scotland.
15: We do pay a percentage higher rate of tax, and that was to try and balance out the shortfall which we suffer from um, the inequality of London. At the moment, Scotland pays uh, roughly per annum £96 billion in uh, funds, and we get back £72 billion. Um, so I would like an explanation um, from the English government, from Westminster, where the shortfall is. But uh, the, but, but the, the
2: increase that we are paying, likes of um, our, our previous scholar Brendan there, He is paying additional tax, which was brought in by the Scottish Government.
15: Yes, it was agreed to by the Scottish Government to try and make up the shortfall that uh, Westminster aren't giving us back from what we pay them.
2: So it was the uh, Scottish today. Government that decided to bring it in. It wasn't the, uh, you know, they, they made it, that facility yeah. was yeah. given to them that they could uh, increase the taxes in Scotland should they wish and they could still do more if they wish to do yes. it. Um, so what Brandon was saying, it, it was the SNP Government's decision to increase that. Sure. So he is paying that.
15: Well, Yes, but it's not wasted. I mean, um, in, if he goes over the border and tries to get a prescription, he'll pay dearly for that. Also, um, for uh, other costs, which are um, made from... Uh, profits from, from the whisky industry, for it, et cetera, go straight into the London coffers. That's £4.8 billion a year. Um, so the, the fact that they're, that they're not taking it with one hand and giving it with the other, uh, they're taking it with one hand and keeping it, unfortunately. Um, unfortunately, the oil industry that he was employed in has had a downturn. That's due to world prices rather than anything to do with the Scottish government. But um, if we had possession of our oil uh, against uh, what he wishes Nicola Sturgeon would lose, um, we, we, would, uh, we would have more money per capita than people in Kuwait, which is 66 million per head per person a year. So we're, at the moment we're being severely ripped off.
2: But, but at the that, moment, at the easy. moment we don't have um, control of our oil as it stands at the moment. So so Brendan that's has no right. control over that. Um, I, no. I, you know from. From your comments, you're obviously de- defending the the SNP government. You probably financially know more of the financial figures than I do, but just even going back to the 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 point that Brendan was making, he he didn't say that it was his money was being wasted um uh, in the fact to the, the points that you make you know the free bus travel the um prescription charges but you can't yeah, but always he, just you can't just say that George and and ignore the money that was as he was uh, was saying was pumped into uh Presswick airport and has you know basically been drifting away that's well, a lot Presswick of money airport,
15: well that that's, that's not true actually i mean for for a couple of years there was a downturn in the um, what you call the North Atlantic Treaty for a Gateway, I used to be a Senior Director of Engineering for Scottish Airport, so I, I know what I'm on about on that one. Uh, right, so I'm not, I'm not going to win
2: this argument with you then. <laughs>
15: <laughs> well, no, you can do. It's, it's a fair discussion, and you made a fair point. Um, indeed, it was uh, what you call a white elephant but it is uh, now um, being taken over by a private group and they're uh, due to expand it greatly because Glasgow's, uh, Glasgow's uh, only got a single runway, as you know, mm-hmm. as, as as Edinburgh, and until they get a parallel runway, uh, the, the amount of traffic flying in, if you live anywhere around Edinburgh Airport, you'll know that your flight uh, noise has increased greatly over the last three years. Uh, now, you might say that's a good thing for privatisation or not, but it certainly brings in money, and it brings in money to the capital, um, and that's the reason Prestwick Airport will, uh, in the next ten years, become a rising star. Actually, it's got it's also as a piece of second information. It's got the second longest runway in Britain.
2: <laughs> so, you you do think there is a future then for, for Prestwick?
15: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It's also um, on a on a technical level pretty much weather free. Being on the Ayrshire coast, uh, you, you get quite a level of sunshine as opposed to Glasgow, where the the hills at um, Eilisham produce rain, uh, as our cells do with precipitation, Um, Prestwick's got an an excellent weather uh, profile. And in fact, um, I'm not saying it's fog-free, but uh, Mm -hmm. virtually it's often opened whenever anywhere else is closed. So uh, it's not a white elephant by any manner of means. But as far as Brendan losing his job, I'm really sorry to hear that. Um, But um, the reason I support S&P strongly is because they're against... Brexit, um, at the moment Brexit has actually lost the financial sector in Scotland over 100,000 jobs. Uh, my, my, my friend uh, works in the finance sector and her entire, uh, I think it was three quarters of her company called Blackrock have, have moved already to um, Romania. So uh, that's, that's a fate being suffered by many, many uh, companies. So, I mean, <laughs> basically I was brought up to the belief that if you, if you live in a house, you've got to feed that family first before you feed the whole next door. Hopefully you've got enough left for them, but the, the first obligation is to look after your own folk.
2: Mm, indeed. indeed. Well, is, I, I'm going to have to stop you there because we're we uh, going up to the news. I'm sure we could have carried on an interesting conversation, George, but thank you very yes, much indeed for for your comments anyway. Thank you. Thank right, you and that's it for Scotland's talking today.
1: You're listening to Scotland's Talkin', the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talkin'.